Hello, fancy scientist and friends. It is snake season. I have already seen three different species of snakes so far here in North Carolina. I've seen a lot of water snakes, a brown snake, and of course, copperheads. Now, I know a lot of people don't like snakes or are scared of snakes, but in this episode, even if you don't like them, I think you'll find it helpful to listen. We're talking about living with snakes. If you see a snake, what should you do? What about a venomous snake? Today we'll go over today we'll go over practical do's and don'ts of snakes. And even if you are not a snake lover, I hopefully can convince you to be a snake liker or to just let snakes live. So let's get started. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice, all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. know that people are scared of snakes. And honestly, it does make sense. There's an evolutionary reason why we are scared of snakes. There are species that are venomous. And before modern medicine, they would kill a lot of people. Actually, even worldwide, venomous snakes kill many people. They don't here in the United States. We'll talk about that statistic soon. But worldwide, it's estimated to be between 80,000 and 138,000 by the World Health Organization. Most of this has not to do with the snake bite. It has more to do with the medical care associated with it. Most of these fatal snake bites are in developing countries, and it's really hard for them to get access to good health care. And a lot of them are using home remedies. But here in the United States, you do not have to fear snakes as much as people do. And I hope I can get you to make friends with your local snakes. I actually was never scared of snakes. In fact, I really, really loved snakes growing up. So if you have kids, make sure you pay attention to these stories because this is how I really learned to love these animals. I would really go looking for snakes with both my dad and my mom we would do this either in our backyard. Once we moved to an area that had a, a larger, more open backyard, we would find snakes basking in the sun. And on dog walks with my mom, actually like one of my favorite things to do was to look for snakes. We would circle this large pond, I guess a small lake, and there was always this one area that had snakes basking in the sun. The reason why I really liked them is because we would catch them. I would usually do this with my dad. We would get buckets and we would catch the snakes and hold them. And I just learned from a really young age that they're honestly really cute. We got a lot of garter snakes and I got to hold them in my hands and their skin feels really nice. A lot of people think snakes are slimy and that is definitely not true. They're, they have beautiful skin and it feels... Um, really amazing. And that's why fashion designers make snakeskin uh, purses and, and shoes, which I do not endorse. 
On a side note, I was once talking to a wildlife biologist who actually worked on this at a conference. She looked into snakes and the species used by the fashion industry. And I thought that a lot of these snakes were farmed. So even though I don't like that you're buying an animal product, if they're farmed, at least it is more sustainable from the aspect that it's not depleting wild populations. But apparently that is not the truth. There is a lot of underground illegal type of activity with designers seeking out rare and even endangered species. So I recommend you avoid snake products for that reason. In addition to, I just don't like killing snakes to wear their products. But snakeskin print is awesome. I love snakeskin print. And if you follow me on Pinterest, I have a really fun Pinterest boards. One of my favorite things to do is wear biodiverse fashion. This is kind of my thing. I love wearing animals and anything related to nature, but especially animals, of course. And I have these different boards on Pinterest that are associated with different animals. So I definitely have a snakeskin board. And I would love to do a piece once I get more time on the types of species used as inspiration for these prints. I've done this with my friend, Emily Puckett, on our Wildlife Snippets blog, and I still do this on Fancy Scientist, although I haven't in a while, but this is something I would really like to get back to. Okay, I totally digressed, but it's still about snakes, so it's all good. I grew up in Buffalo, New York, where we didn't have any venomous snakes, so being scared of snakes, honestly wasn't a thing for me because although snakes can bite you, and I actually remember this one time my dad caught a bigger garter snake and it bit him. And I was young, so I saw blood in his finger. And at the time, I thought it was like so severe. I thought he might die. But of course, that's just because I was a young child. But anyway, snakes can bite you. But we didn't have to worry about our health and our lives. Whereas around the world, it is a concern. In 2003, I went to a study abroad program in Kenya, and then in 2005, I returned to stay there for a year. So I spent a year living in remote Kenya, and Kenya is famous for some really venomous snakes, especially the black mamba and the puff adder snake. So when I started living in Kenya, I really had to rethink snakes. And especially being in remote Kenya, getting medical attention was much harder. They would have to probably helicopter us out. So what I really did is started paying attention to everywhere I stepped. But snakes are really cryptic, especially puff adders. Um, I would constantly check my boots. That's actually mostly for scorpions. I would, I would actually wear closed-toed shoes at night, although I eventually got a little lazy and started wearing sandals. But I always really checked where I looked outside because we had to constantly walk outside. Our rooms were located separately from the building. And I have to tell you, out of being a year in Kenya, I think I saw snakes, I want to say three times. One time... It was definitely a dead snake. There was a puff adder right on our campus grounds. And the guards unfortunately killed it, even though some of us staff were upset by that, including Kenyan staff. But that happens here in the United States, too. So that's what we're trying to change. We're trying to talk about 
snakes and how to live alongside venomous snakes. And hopefully that you will learn you do not have to kill them to live with them. But the point I wanted to say is that I've lived in Kenya for a year. And then for my PhD work, I worked in Gabon for a total of like eight months. Gabon, the famous snake there is the Gabonese pit viper. And again, for eight months of living in a remote national park in a field station, I saw snakes, I think twice. I remember I saw a green snake and a black snake. They scurried, scurried, snakes don't scurry. They slithered away from me way, way before I could identify them. There must have been tons of snakes in both the areas that we were in, in Kenya and Gabon. From this, I hope you can take away that snakes... They don't want to be seen by you. They just want to do their own thing. They want to do snake things. They want to be snakes. So really, if you don't get into their business, you won't have any problems. And my mindset about snakes really started changing when I went to this snake center in Kenya. I was interested in working with a professor for graduate school. So I went to Savo East And I spent a day at this snake center. I can't remember exactly why, but they really did a lot of education to the local community about venomous snakes. And there I started to learn that even if you get bit by a snake, a venomous snake, it doesn't necessarily mean that they inject venom. It doesn't necessarily mean they inject all of their venom. Before, I sort of thought if I got bit by a puff adder or a mamba that I was close to dead. It was just time, counting down the time until I got to the hospital. If I got to the hospital in time, then I would survive. But there's a lot more variation in it. And just that helped me mentally too. I Now I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I definitely live with venom mistakes, especially copperheads. I see copperheads all the time. And I hope I am going to minimize your fear of them. So many people kill them. And I'm going to take you through what you should do if you see a snake, how you should act, and how they are really not that bad at all. I think a lot of people think that snakes will chase you and attack you. And this is really far from the truth. Yes, they're more aggressive species, but if you leave them alone, they're not going to do anything. When I see copperheads... I try to move them out of the way if they are in a really open area because I don't want people to kill them. And this really only happens on the Greenway, which is an interconnected series of trails throughout Raleigh. The trail is paved. It's pretty wide. It's like two meters wide. And especially around dusk, you'll see copperheads in the middle of the path, and I don't want them to, you know, bite people or for them to get killed or for a person on their bicycle to run them over. Recently, this happened where there was a snake stuck in the middle, and there was another couple warning us around this about the snake, and luckily I had my husband with me because I have two dogs, so getting a snake out of the road with two dogs is, is pretty difficult, but he took care of the dogs. And I just took this really long branch. I poked the snake in its behind (laughs) to try to get it to move in the direction that I wanted it to go. Just basically one um, side of the path, the the side that its head was facing. So that's in the direction it was going in. 
And the people, when I started to do this, they got so nervous. And I think they thought I would be like fighting with the snake, like it would be like attacking me, kind of like, a, you know, like the king cobras, like all coiled up and like spitting at me and stuff like that. But the snake, it like looked at the stick a little bit. It actually first started moving and then it looked at the snake stick a little bit and then it just slithered away off the path and it was super easy to do. Now, I do recommend, again, you taking a really long stick to do this. There was another occasion where I was with another biker and he did this thing where he just took his wheels and bounced them up and down on the path and that vibration actually got the snake off. So that was pretty cool. If you're on a bike, you could try that. But... The snakes, they're just out there to get food, to find mates. They they don't care about you, and they're only going to attack you if they are really, really, really provoked. I have seen very close up three venomous snakes. So I've seen copperheads multiple times. There have been several incidences. There was one where I have this stump in my yard And one day I was, I think I was practicing using iNaturalist, which is an app where you can submit photos of different animals, plants, organisms that you see and upload them and people help you identify them. And just below my foot, and I know I was wearing sandals that day, there was this little copperhead. I was like literally standing just inches away from it for a while. I was a while on this this stump and the snake did nothing that whole entire time. There was another incident where I was out camera trapping And so the camera trap is on a tree. I was right in front of the camera trap, opening the camera trap. And for some reason, I looked to my left and there was a copperhead again, just inches next to my boot. Now, I was wearing hiking boots and long pants, as I always do in the field. And by the field, I actually mean this was behind someone's house. It was behind their fence. But it's, you know, this is a, it was a suburban area. It wasn't like the middle of the woods or anything. And because of my experiences being close to copperheads before, I, I knew their behavior. I knew that they very much are very docile animals unless, like I said, you provoke them. And because I was wearing boots, too, I just went about my business and switched the memory card in the camera trap and walked away. And the copperhead did not move an inch And both of us were very happy with each other and very safe. So you you definitely don't need to kill these snakes. They are not aggressive. The only time a copperhead is really like attacked back is when I was using that branch method and it like bit the branch a little bit. But again, that was just like a really little bit and it was an extremely long branch. So no risk. It wasn't scary at all. Once when I was doing camera trap work in southeastern North Carolina, I was walking through very tall grass and I saw a snake. My instinct as a wildlife biologist is whenever I see an animal to take a picture of it, usually for identification, but, you know, also for fun because I love animals. So that's what I did. And it slithered away from me really fast. So I barely got a picture. I found out later that this was a pygmy rattlesnake, and I uploaded it to iNaturalist. There's just not a lot of pygmy rattlesnake observations across the state. So this was a really cool finding, and eventually the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission actually contacted me about it, and they wanted to use it. So I sent them the photo. The last up-close venomous snake experience I had was on our way home from a beach trip. 
in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. We drove through the Alligator River National Refuge. This is something I always do when I come home from the beach. And I have really bad black bear luck, actually bear luck in general. I actually have really good luck when it comes to seeing animals, but bears don't like me for some reason. So I have seen them there. They're they're the highest density of black bears in the world in eastern North Carolina, but I still have never seen one really that well. So I always drive through there to try to get a better uh, bear sighting. This time, as we were driving through, dead smack in the middle of the road was a timber rattlesnake, a big one. And I shouldn't say dead, it was alive. Actually, we got out of the car and we weren't sure at first if it was alive because it was so still. My niece was so scared she didn't even get out of the car. But I just took lots of pictures of it. I just got close enough to take pictures. And of course, I watched the snake the whole time. But again, if you see snakes and leave them alone, they're going to leave you alone. What should you do if you find a snake? Make sure you are a distance away from that snake. So if you're in a situation like me, where I looked down and saw a copperhead beneath me, back away and give the snake some space. Really, I think the next thing you should do is take a picture and celebrate. Seeing the snake is really cool. I hope I get you to the point where you can celebrate seeing the snake. But get a picture of it. And the picture is really important for identification purposes. I'm not going to recommend killing snakes in this podcast at all, but I think it's still good for you to know what species it is, and especially if it's venomous or non-venomous. A lot of my herpetologist friends get sent snake photos. I get sent snake photos sometimes, too, and they often get sent photos of dead snakes, and they say most of the time the snakes are not even venomous. So do not kill especially these non-venomous snakes because it's just... It's just a waste. You want to get it identified first. And there's lots of ways that you can get it identified. I would say probably the fastest way is you get a Twitter account and you tweet it out to Dr. David Steen. His handle is at Alongside Wild. He is a friend of mine and an amazing herpetologist. He is amazing at Twitter, and he's active on it all the time. So just tweet a snake photo or any reptile or amphibian to him, and he will be able to identify it for you. If you are not on Twitter, there are some really great Facebook groups. I'm part of one called Snakes of the Triangle. There's another national one called Snake Identification. And you can post pictures on there with no judgment, and people will help you identify the snake you took a photo of. And then the last way is you can join iNaturalist. This is the app I was talking about. You can put it right on your phone, and you can upload it to iNaturalist. They even have an app called Seek, in which case you hover your phone over the organism and it provides you an instant identification. In iNaturalist, there's also an AI tool that helps you identify the species. They're not necessarily 100% perfect, but it's a starting place. You can use those two tools when you post it to iNaturalist. Whenever I do snakes, they get identified pretty quickly. How it works is other experts in the community help you identify the animals or plants that you post, and usually snakes are identified pretty quickly. So that's another great way to identify your snakes. If it's a non-venomous 
snake cool do nothing let it live around your area if you if you see it in your backyard if you're see it on a walk or something say hi and let it be if it's in your backyard snakes are really great at pest control they eat a lot of rodents Snakes are a really important part of our ecosystem. They are also owl and hawk food. So we don't want to completely eliminate a whole group of animals from the ecosystem. Because just like Mufasa told Simba in The Lion King, it's a circle of life. If we disrupt that circle, it will mess up the whole ecosystem in many different ways. If the snake is identified as venomous, I personally think you should do nothing to, even if it's around your house. I don't recommend killing snakes because of the argument that I made before. They're really important parts of our ecosystem. All snakes are, even the venomous ones. They don't want to attack you. They don't want to bite you. Just by trying to kill a snake, your chances of getting a snake bite increase a lot. David Steen has a new book out. It's called The Secrets of Snakes, The Science Beyond the Myths. So you should definitely get it. And I was reading a section of it because I know he makes this argument that we shouldn't kill venomous snakes too. Here's the statistic for snake deaths in the United States. It is only five people. Now, I know we would still like to prevent deaths if we could, but The five people is a really, really small amount, especially when we put it in context of car crashes, which is something that we participate in almost every day. Well, not now because most of us are still in lockdown. I, I think I drive my car like once every two weeks now. But this is really a big risk that we're just willing to accept in our lives that we don't even think about. And yet when we see these venomous snakes, we think they're such a big threat and we want to eliminate them from the ecosystem Because across the whole United States, five people die. And David brings up the important point that if you think about all the people who get close to snakes, now this this five people includes wildlife researchers, people who have them as pets. He talks about at the rattlesnake roundups. These are uh, mass killing events of rattlesnakes. Religious groups who use venomous snakes in their demonstrations only five. So this is really an incredible number that it's so low when you think about all the people um, potentially handling snakes and getting close to snakes. I have a funny story. My One of my friends, he is a wildlife biologist and he knows how to handle snakes, including venomous snakes. And he was leading a bird tour once and they came across a venomous snake. And he picked it up to demonstrate to the people how to properly hold a venomous snake so they won't get bit. But he got bit. (laughs) He accidentally got bit. So just by trying to pick up a snake, you increase your chances a lot. Just leave it alone. I also don't think killing snakes solves the problem because if a snake is there, it probably means it's good snake habitat and killing it will probably mean just another one will move in. This is the argument that people use for coyotes a lot. And I want to do a separate episode about coyotes. But killing coyotes has not decreased population growth at all. In fact, we see the opposite effect. Killing snakes doesn't 
necessarily do anything. It just opens the area up for another snake to move in. I actually really like when I see a venomous snake to know that it's there because then I kind of know the areas of my yard to avoid or to be extra cautious about rather than killing it and then having an empty space for a snake and good snake habitat and constantly worrying if another one might pop up. And you, you can use this as an opportunity to teach your kids about how to recognize snakes, how to identify them, how to be careful not to just automatically grab a snake and touch it to make sure to identify it first. I know people have animals and animals can get bit by snakes too. I myself have two dogs and they go outside. The, outside, the backyard is kind of like theirs. And I know we've had copperheads in our yard. Honestly, I'm sure we have tons of copperheads or at least one there every year because our yard is pretty wooded. It has a lot of like dead leaves and logs in it. And that's some of the habitat structure that copperheads like. Now, my dogs have never had a problem. In fact, when I walked on the trail, I noticed my dog had her face right in right in a copperhead's face and the copperhead did not even bite her at all this is of course before i saw the copperhead once i saw the copperhead i pulled dolly away from it extremely quickly but she has been like literally like smelling right up her face and they did not strike i know dogs get bit and I even posted something about copperheads to twitter and somebody commented that they knew somebody's dog gets bit but again, unfortunately, I don't think killing the snake does anything. And I just don't think that we should modify our environment to such an extent that we try to remove a whole entire part of the ecosystem just for our pets. I look at it, again, like a risk, like just how we're all willing to drive in a car or put our dogs in a car. That's honestly way more risky than having a copperhead close to your backyard. I did look into this a little bit more when I was doing some research with dogs, and apparently there are some dog classes that you can train your dogs how to avoid venomous snakes. You can teach them in areas where there's rattlesnakes how to determine the sound of the rattlesnake and also the sense. When you're walking your dogs, just make sure you stick to the trail. Don't let them go off leash, and if you are really worried, try to get them to stand more of the concrete part of the trail. Although I definitely see copperheads there, but it will just be much easier for you to see. Copperheads look like they do. They have like these little Hershey kiss triangles on their back because they look like leaves. Sometimes you know there's a copperhead there and it is really hard to find. That is how well they blend in. So those types of habitats where there's a lot of like sticks or leaves that's where copperheads really like to be and on the greenway where I walk my dogs there's actually a couple of patches where there's some degraded stumps and we see copperheads there all the time now if you have cats and you let them outside again my opinion is this is a risk of being a cat owner honestly you really shouldn't let your cats go outside. It's really bad for wildlife. They kill lots of birds. And of course, they kill small mammals, reptiles, amphibians. I am a cat lover. I have four rescue cats. I know I'm a crazy animal person, but they all stay inside. 
And honestly, my motivation for keeping my cats inside was I didn't want to deal with them getting injured by people or neighborhood cats or getting hit by a car. So I just think it's better for both the cats and the wildlife to keep them inside. Now, if you are really extremely worried about snakes, you can modify your backyard to deter snakes. And in the blog post accompanying this podcast, I am going to put a link that you can look at from another researcher, Christopher E. Smith, about how to modify your backyard to not attract snakes And I will warn you that some of these things are not the best for wildlife as well. But one one suggestion that he uses that I like that's kind of like more pro-wildlife is to make a perch for animals like owls and hawks because they are natural predators of snakes. Another thing that he recommends is to make sure your bird feeder doesn't overspill or to not feed your animals outside. This is something I recommend as well because all of that food is going to attract rodents. But for me, it's also attracting larger mammals probably. And this is how animals become problematic and there's more human wildlife conflict. So not feeding wildlife, whether it's indirect or direct, is is really important as well. And that's a great step you can take that actually is really pro-wildlife as well. The next thing that people ask is, can you relocate snakes? And because, you know, they're probably animal lovers, even they recognize that even though it's a venomous snake, they don't want it killed. So they're asking for it to be relocated. However, myself and also David Steen recommend against this for some of the reasons that I mentioned above. If you're going to relocate it, you are increasing your chances of getting bit And again, you just might open up that space for another snake to move in. If you relocate it, you might be putting it in an area where it's not going to survive. And that might be because it's not good habitat for that snake. Or maybe there's already a lot of snakes living there and there's too much competition. There's not enough food to support another snake. So relocating the snake could be a, a death sentence. It's just a more delayed one. And you don't see it happen. So it's possible that the snake gets relocated and doesn't survive in their new location. Another thing is if you don't relocate it far enough, it might simply just come back. So in general, relocating is is not the best decision. I recommend just knowing that a venomous snake is there, keeping an eye on the area, telling your kids to avoid that area or to be really uh, careful around that area as well. Someone mentioned that a neighbor was posting on Nextdoor a lot. This is like a social media group for uh, neighborhoods that people were using mothballs to deter snakes. And you definitely do not want to do this because it doesn't work. I looked at Christopher Smith's website and also a website from a poison control center. Both of them say that they don't work and then actually can make your family and pets sick because a lot of times people will find them and eat them. I guess they look like candy to young children. So definitely don't put mothballs in the environment. I hope I convinced you that snakes are cool. Snakes are fun. Snakes are cute. I'll try to include some pictures of 
snakes making some really cute facial expressions. <laughs> some really cute species of snakes. This week, I've taken a break from making a new blog post, but I actually have a really cool tool that I made for you. What it is, is it's a job organizer for a wildlife biologist. Really, anyone can use it, but it's meant for a wildlife biologist. And it's basically great for anyone who wants to go into this field to figure out what kind of job that they ultimately want. I have a YouTube video that talks about why this is really important and even if you're really early on in your career, actually, especially if you're early on in your career, I really encourage you to look at the job boards now. So this job tracker will give you an outline as to what is important to pay attention to, and it will force you to slow down and look at the job positions. And by writing the different jobs that you're interested in, it will also force you to pay attention to the different types of skill sets that you need. So if you want to get that, head over to my website and go to the blog post, Best Job Websites for Wildlife Biology and Ecology, and I'm also going to add it to Becoming a Wildlife Biologist, FAQs Answered by Wildlife Biologist. I might change that title, though. Um, but you should be able to find it. If you can't find it, you can email me at stephanie at fancyscientist.com. And then on YouTube, I have a really fun video out on proboscis monkeys, which are those amazing monkeys with the gigantic nose. They look kind of funny. I saw them when I was in Borneo last year, and I organized a video of all the cool footage of them. So head over to my YouTube to see lots of fun videos of monkeys jumping. Thank you guys so much for listening. It means so much to me. If you have any questions or have any show ideas, just send me a message on any of the social medias. I'm very easy to find. And I hope you have an amazing day. Bye.